Are you looking for a space where you will learn to improve your mental strength, emotional health, and heal your insecurities from the inside out? Take the first step to living a more meaningful life with the Better Me with Body by Brie podcast. I'm your host, Brie. I'm a certified personal trainer, entrepreneur, and mother of three. I've helped empower thousands of women to take action through fitness, nutrition, meditation, personal development, and aligning thoughts with action. This podcast is for those who are ready to feel inspired and motivated to live a more purposeful life. Let's grow together. I don't know about you, but the second my child turns three, they turn into a tantrum-throwing wild child. And it's kind of turned into a joke in our family that they're really sweet until they hit three and then everything changes. So I have behavioral therapist Lori Abish on the podcast to walk me through a session with Mila and how to help her with tantrums and her need for independence. In this episode, we will cover how to handle tantrums with your toddlers, what to do when they want independence and how to turn it into a positive and how to make bedtime smoother, and so much more. I'm telling you, it is all our systems. Let's get started. Lori is a world-renowned child behavioral specialist and parent educator who has 30 years of experience serving kids and families of all backgrounds. She's also known as the child whisperer and possesses an uncanny ability to see children allowing her to seamlessly correct even the most mysterious behavioral challenges. Her goal is to transform homes into peaceful environments that enable kids to thrive and their relationships with parents to flourish. Parents can contact and receive services from Lori through the getmanatee.com. And Lori is a director of parent coaching for the company, which provides parent coaching and mental health services for families across the country. Now, I hired Lori as my behavioral therapist for Jameson. She completely changed our lives. She helped us so much with Jameson's behavior that I just wanted her to come back on the podcast so she can help us with toddler behavior. So you're going to learn so much. Let's get started. Lori, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so honored that you were able to come. I know you're very busy. So thank you. Bree, it is an incredible pleasure to be here to talk with you and to be able to help families um, across the country, whoever is listening, because I know the need is great. Thank you. Well, you helped me so much with Jameson and Olivia um, before when I hired you as our behavioral therapist and just making those small changes that you suggested completely shifted the whole energy in our house. So I know what you do works. I know that you are an expert in your field. I've implemented your stuff and you are a miracle worker. So we're going to see if we can work our magic now on Mila. So any moms listening, if you have a toddler that is struggling with tantrums or having to be independent or bedtime We are going to cover all of that with Lori, and she's going to help walk us through how we can help our children so that it's not so taxing because it is very draining (laughs) having a toddler. So I will say the first uh, two years when I have a baby, I'm like, oh, they're amazing. They're so sweet. And then when my kids hit three, I'm like, 
I don't know what happened. <laughs> like, is that a developmental thing where they start throwing more tantrums and they start wanting to do everything themselves and they start being really stubborn and everything takes 10 times longer to do? Is that a developmental thing? It is a de developmental thing, but it is not any one of those behaviors that you mentioned is not inevitable. The, the terrible twos, um, which we believe really starts, you know, in toddlerhood when children start walking all the way through age three, we have kind of characterized as um, this period of, of development that seems inevitable where, where kids are screaming, tantruming, resisting, maybe hitting, biting, and grabbing too. And the truth is most of that is, is a myth. And that's what the fortunate um, information is to, to you and to all the families who are listening who are dealing with, with those kinds of behaviors. Now, if you, if you want, I think it is, it is the best idea to start with how, how toddlers and two-year-olds kind of communicate and, and help parents to understand that you don't have to expect the, the whining, screaming, and the tantrums, that this is actually a learned behavior from when they are very, very small. Okay, so would you, would okay. you like to start there? Yes, let's do it. Let's dive okay. right in. So what we need to understand is, is first to look at the emotional area of trust. And the early foundation for trust, as I've said on your show before, has to do with, with consistency and predictability. And, and, and that is the consistency and predictability of the parents and the and the the routines within the homes. That means the morning routine, the mealtime routine, the bedtime routine. And what I always talk to parents about in terms of trust and consistency and predictability is that within your communications, a parent's words and their actions need to be aligned with each other, which you know very well. So communications with a toddler often start with whining, and that is because their their communication ability is is very minimal and extremely limited. So, like when they're asking to be picked up, you get um, communications like "ah me" or "ah mommy" or and and it is it is in that whining nature. And in order to let a child know that they are being heard parents automatically go to their child and pick them up and, and soothe them and so on and so forth. Kids will do the same thing when they want milk. They'll kind of whine to get it. You get this little crying tone to their voice and parents, again, respond right away by giving them the milk. But as children get older, you know, they turn one and then they turn 18 months and they turn two, parents also have to realize that their language is developing. And so therefore they need to start raising the expectation, the communication expectation to match their child's verbal linguistic capability. Otherwise you will continue to nurture that whiny kind of babyish uh, communication style that you've already developed because that's what kids come to trust. 
that when I whine, when I moan, when I cry, I'll get picked up, I'll get a cup of milk. So we have to start changing those patterns of communication. And, and we do this by redirecting our child. So if Mila is saying uppy and she's kind of whining or teary-eyed about it, instead of just going to pick her up, get down to her level and say, Mila, say up, mommy, or I want up. Depending on what she's capable of saying, that's what you should expect of her. And then if you are able to redirect her, she will repeat it back. And then you can pick her up or then you can give her that cup of milk. So we need to, parents just need to stop for a minute, redirect, and then give the child what it is they're asking for. If it is something, of course, that you, that is okay for them to have. Does that make sense? Yes. I love that. I've been really trying um, that with Mila because she, now that she's three, she's, you know, speaking in full sentences, but she will do that. She'll be like, I want, I want this now, you know? And I'm like, how do we ask? Like I have to re, but I love how you say expect more because I think with parents, we make a lot of excuses for our kids. Oh, they're just too, oh, they're just tired. Oh, you know? And so I love that you are saying expect more like for their age, you know, that's age appropriate. Absolutely. And I think we talked a little bit about on the on the last podcast that I was on with you, that uh, in terms of autonomy, which is a child's ability to be independent, if we are doing for for our children what they are capable of doing for themselves, then um, we will create a relationship that promotes dependence as opposed to independence. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're setting expectations below capability, the kids are kind of living down to the expectation. And so we see this kind of natural regressive immature behavior, which is in terms of communication, that whiny kind of or that screaming to get what I want. But if we raise the expectation and hold the expectation to the capability, then the children rise to that and they meet the expectation. And then the behavior naturally. Yes. I noticed that with Jameson when you told us to do that with him. And now he does the dishes every night by himself. And he's, well, he was five. He just barely turned six. But like he does all the dishes, like pots and pans, wiping off the counters. And before when I talked to you, I was like, oh, no, he... He just, you know, it's too hard for him. He, you know, he just can't finish a task. And you're like, no, he can do it. I'm like, okay. And now he does. And it's just our rule. It's expected. He doesn't whine anymore. He just gets up after he eats and he does it. So I have implemented that and it worked with Jameson. So I just, I feel like it's hard when it's your baby, you know, and you're like, what can they handle? And you do tend to kind of baby the baby, you know? (laughs) So you're like, okay. We've got it. We've got to get this under control. Absolutely. And you make the greatest point for so many parents. And it's so important. I need to point this out. It's a blessing that you have an older child in the house. And also, too, that your expectations match his capability so that Jameson not not only has a new definition about himself 
and that is, you know, I'm not the kid who just gets served and everybody does what I ask, but now he's a functional part of your family household. And so he feels good about that. He thinks good things about himself and therefore he feels good about himself. So you're doing emotionally, you're raising all of those needs. But what you pointed out so dramatically with all parents need to understand who have children uh, who are younger in Mila's age group is that the behavior that you see is not an inevitable part of development. It is, it's kind of a myth. And that when we do expect more, the kids really do rise and the behaviors that you thought were inevitable really just go away. Awesome. Okay. I have a specific question for you. So my biggest issue is her wanting independence. Um, And so Like with Jameson, it was the opposite where Jameson would be like, no, I want you to do it. You buckle it. You get me in. You do, you know, with her, (laughs) it's hard because she's like, I want to get in the car seat. I want to make my lunch. I want the, you know, the blue plate instead of the red plate. Like she is so stubborn. And when I can, I let her do it, you know, herself as often as I can, because that's a good thing. She's being independent. It's a good thing. But when there are times where like we're in a hurry and she's just being so stubborn and will not get in the car seat or, you know, like she has to have the blue plate and I've already made her whole lunch on the red plate. At what point do you like give in to that? Or do you say like, no, this is, this is what you're getting. (laughs) Like suck it up type of thing. (laughs) Brie, you asked, you asked the greatest questions because these are questions that I answer all day long, family to family to family. So let's talk about development and developmental progression. First, I want to start with physical development because everybody knows the physical development progression from being a newborn where a child is physically completely helpless in your arms to a child. We know this is the order that it happens. A child lifts their head, they roll over, they sit up, they crawl, they stand, they walk. Almost every child in the world fits into that physical developmental progression. That is the order. We as adults, we kind of know how to facilitate the muscles, the coordination and the strength that it takes to get kids from being in your arms to standing and and walking and running away from you in the store. Now, with regard to listening, there is also a developmental progression and parents need to understand that listening skills need to be developed first before offering simple choices to them and most definitely before starting compromise and negotiation, okay? Because, and this is why parents have so much struggles with the listening issues nowadays, because we are in a far more collaborative type um, parenting culture where parents say, hey, what do you want to wear? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you want to eat? Kind of a thing. And so when you have that kind of parenting uh, style with your child, your child comes to believe that they're in charge because you're deferring to them all the time. Mm -hmm. So that when you do actually ask them to do something or even insist that they do something, they say, oh, no, you've got it all wrong. You've been asking me to this point, what what I want to do with my life, I'm not doing it. So the first thing you have to do is 
ensure that you are developing listening skills with Mila, which means you need to be more directional and instructional when you speak to her. Like instead of saying um, to her, it's, it's, would you like to wear the red shirt or the green shirt? You tell her you're wearing the red shirt today. You're wearing the blue shorts today. And then the independence part that you're looking for is her putting those clothes on to the best of her ability, unless she needs you like to get a sock over her heel, that she does that part independently because she's capable of that. Children at a young age really don't know what's best for them to wear on any given day. They don't know what foods constitute a healthy, balanced diet. That's your expertise, Brie, in your professional and in your personal life. They don't know how much rest that they need. So um, so parents have to dictate those things for them and be directional. Say, no, you're doing this now. This is not a time where you do have a choice. When you would start offering choices to Mila, let's say in the morning when she's getting ready, is that is when she when you consistently see her accepting the clothes that you are setting out for her and she's getting herself dressed without a problem and asking for help when she needs it, then you can say to her, you say, hey, Mila, I noticed that you've just been very cooperative in the morning. You get yourself dressed like a big girl. Today, I'm going to let you choose the color shirt that you want to wear. And so you give her a couple of options. Would you want to wear the shirt with flowers or the shirt with polka dots? If she chooses one of those two shirts, then great. You say you're ready for a choice and, and she's off and running. If she says, I want to wear the shirt with stripes on it, you say, oh, you're not ready yet. You're wearing uh, the flower shirt and we'll try a choice again another time. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you just have to set the foundation before you give them all the freedom. That makes sense. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they they yeah. can be independent within the structure that you provide for them. Got it. So you have to have the structure. So does that go for bedtime? Because that's our other mm-hmm. hardest thing is going to bed. She like gets out of her room like seven times and she's like, I want a snack. I'm thirsty. I want to go potty. And she just, it's just all distraction to delay bedtime. So, and I feel bad because I'm really patient the first three times. And then I get really upset, like get in your room. (laughs) Right. So the first thing I, I, I want to acknowledge is her coming out and asking for a snack, asking for potty, asking for a cup of water because she's thirsty. When parents notice this pattern of I wants in a situation where you want something completely opposite because they need it, I'm letting all parents know that the communication that is coming out of the child's mouth, meaning the I I want snack, I want potty, I want water, is not really what they're saying. The communication is, I need somebody to give me direction. I need somebody to put some boundaries around this particular routine of the day because I don't know what to do. I don't know what's expected of me. So that's that's really what's underlying there. So now with regard to bedtime, bedtime really, really starts for, for most people after dinner. And, the, and it's the pre-prep bedtime 
is, is really what is going to dictate whether or not a child goes down relaxed and cooperative and stays in their bed or is amped up be, before they even walk into their bedroom, okay? So my best advice for parents with regard to bedtime, getting into bed, staying in bed, and so on and so forth, meaning not coming out, is that you set it up in a way where right after dinner, they are in a working mode that if you typically have bath time every night or every other night, that after dinner you say, okay, Mila, I want you to go get undressed, put your day clothes in the hamper, and then get your towel if you have bath toys or shampoo, if she has that stuff to, to bring whatever her stuff is into the bathroom. And, and while, you're, while she's doing that, you can be in kind of running the bath water. And then you want to let her know that playtime is not the priority in the bath, that washing her hair, washing her body is the priority. And if she is cooperative during that time, then you will allow her a few minutes to, to play with her toys. And then as long as she's cooperative with that, that when you say it's time to pull the plug on the bath, that she can uh, clean up her toys to put them to dry on the side of the tub and then get out, get dried, and then set her to task, um, the task of putting her pajamas on by herself because she should be able to pretty much do her pajamas if they're really simple, elastic waist and over the head. Mm -hmm. if, she needs, if she needs a little help, then, of course, you would help her. But you explain to her that, Mila, as long as that you are cooperative and get your bath and your PJs on and your teeth brush, if you do that without a fuss with me, then if we have time left over, then we can play a little game, a quiet game together, or we can watch a television show. And I always recommend to parents that if you are watching TV, make sure it's a calming show, like a Peppa Pig type tone, okay. not, not something that gets them revved up. And if yeah. you are yeah, if you are playing a game to make sure it's a game that, that brings calm to their bodies and not gets them hyper. Yeah, and we then, usually read books. Books usually calm them down. Okay. So you want to have criteria around okay. books. Just like they, because a lot of times in a good majority of households across the country, children are kind of dictating story time where they're telling their parents, I want three books or I want five books. And I want you to read it this way, or I want you to read it three times. Yeah, so, that sounds just like Mila. She literally bosses everybody around. Right. Because she needs to develop listening skills in the evening. She's not ready to make a choice in the evening just yet. So you're okay. going to tell her that. Say, if you want a story time, like if she's been completely cooperative, during the, the pre-bedtime ritual, which was all those things I just talked about, then you say, okay, we do have enough time for story time. So you, if she is capable of making a choice of one or two books without it being an ordeal, like her taking five years to, to, to pick a book, then that's okay. But if she cannot make a choice in a reasonable amount of time, then you say, I'm picking the book or books. And your your job is to get into bed and to wait calmly and you let her know say if you are not waiting calmly and laying there quietly while i read the book then story time will be over 
and it will be time to go to bed. And then if she is not cooperative, you would just leave the room. And of course, she's going to be upset about that. You kind of want her to be a little bit upset so that the next day when it's time for her to get into her bedtime routine, you remind her, say, Mila, you were a little bit upset that you didn't get story yesterday. Remember, I asked you just to lay in bed quietly while I picked the book and you didn't. You got upset about it and I, mommy didn't read you a story. Well, if you want your story tonight, you need to think about after your pajamas are on, just getting in bed and laying quietly. That's up to you. And then you kind of put it back on her and let her make either choice. Okay. So when you leave, like, would you put her in her crib and be like, okay, good night and like shut the door and leave for the night? Because that's where I have a hard time because she's like kicking the door, screaming, and then I feel bad. So I go in and I feel like I have to calm her down again. Lay her in her bed. You know, she like wants three more songs. So am I messing up there because I'm like going back in and calming her down and singing her songs? Yeah, because that's, it's just a routine that you've developed with her. So that's what she's come to trust. I misbehave, mommy leaves, and then I scream and cry and she comes in and then I get a song. So she's learning how to get a song and how to get soothing from you. Okay. Okay. But you said something that um, that I think is important to talk about. So Mila is three years old, and she's she is she's still in a crib. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Is okay. that bad? Well, I don't want to characterize it as as good or bad, but it might be um, kind of working against you. Um, in some of the things that you want to accomplish. Um, so is she? Is she um, potty trained at night? Is she nighttime potty trained yet? No, she still um, has a pull-up on at night. Okay. But she's been potty trained during the day since she was, like, before she turned two. So almost a year or longer than a year. Okay. So one of the things I talk, so I'll be, I'm going to regress a little bit um, and then we'll uh, talk about the other stuff again, because this is, this happens. This is very common when I always tell parents when they are getting ready to nighttime potty train. And she is, if she's three, she's most definitely ready to nighttime potty train. Um, you first need to transition from a crib to either um, a toddler bed, like if the crib transitions into a toddler bed, I know a lot of parents have that, or if you're just getting a toddler bed or a twin size mattress in her room, that transition needs to happen. Because the expectation is when you are potty training at night, that once the child learns how to be safe in a, in a regular bed, that they, when they do wake up and have to go potty, that they either come and get mommy or daddy or that they are able to take themselves to the bathroom. And if they are in a crib, then whether or not, even if they wake up, they're really not able to get out. And also the crib kind of nurtures that infant mindset. And you want her to have a more of a three-year-old mindset. So making that transition whether you're starting the um, the bedtime potty training, the nighttime potty training or not, um, would be beneficial for her. 
because she oh, needs. It's to- actually funny you say that because she just like three weeks ago started being like, I don't want to wear a pull up to bed. I'm a big girl. And she's been asking to sleep. We have a queen bed in that room. So like two nights ago, I just let her sleep in the queen bed and she was totally fine. So it's funny you say that. I think she's naturally wanting that process. Like she's wanting to be independent and not feel like a baby anymore. Exactly. And again, I'm going to repeat, you know, that area of autonomy, you know, when the expectations of the parent meet the capability, then you will see all of the immature regressive behaviors go away. And she, you know, Mila, she's helping me out here. She actually brought it up to you and said, hey, yeah, I'm done, I'm done with the crib. I want a big girl bed, which would be super exciting for you. And it's actually going to support this um, bedtime routine process that we're talking about altogether. Okay, I'm going to start training. Yeah, I'm going to start. Got to get my my bad sheets out and be prepared. There you go. Be prepared for accidents. Okay, that is really, really helpful. Um, so my last question, I think that a lot of my listeners might struggle with, like me, is how do you handle – well, actually, I have two – one is how do I not feel like I'm constantly th- like um, giving them consequences all the time? Like with, with Mila, I'm like, okay, let's get out of the bath. And then I'm like, if you don't get out of the bath, then you have to go in time out. Or, you know, are you saying that it's better just to like set the expectation and be like, okay, I'm like with the book situation. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to leave now. And it's not like I'm giving her a consequence. It's just a natural consequence. Yep, you you've answered the question perfectly. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to add anything to that because you just said it perfectly. Natural consequences are are built in, and 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 you want to make sure. The only thing I will add to that is for all parents that you make sure that that your daughter understands that she brought this on. It was her yes. behavior. It's not you being a, a mean mommy or a bad mommy or, or anything. Is she made a choice after you explained to her what would get her the story and what would get her denied that story. So, yeah, that's completely on her. Okay. So I guess that kind of answers my last question then, which is like, what do you do when the inevitable <laughs> happens and they, well, maybe not inevitable what you've been telling me, but when they throw a tantrum in public, do you just pick them up and take them to the car? Okay. So once a child is in the throes of any kind of an outburst, um, there's not a whole lot that you can do about it from the proactive side, but the best way to mitigate your damages, especially if you're out in public, is to is to get them in the car and and just be quiet in the car. Don't talk to them while they're screaming and yelling. And then get them home and let them go to an area where they can just go and calm down by themselves. Because as I've said before, any kind of communication and interaction when a child is emotionally out of control is only going to function to escalate that very behavior that you would like to wind down. So just take the energy from it 
and remove yourself if possible. If you're in public, then get them in the car, get them home and let them go calm down in their room or in a quiet place in the house. So that's number one. So then number two, you're aware that your child has had an issue somewhere in public. So let's say, you know, you were in Target and and you had to run some errands and and she got out of control. So she is a she is a young child, but she's still old enough to understand. And you have to talk to her about what you expect before you go out of the house. Okay. Because especially because summertime is here, you're going to be getting ready to um, to go to, to fun parties. You're going to be having play dates. Maybe there's camp. Maybe there's amusement parks. Maybe you are going on vacation sometime between now and, and the startup of the fall year. So all of these outings are coming up and you have to ensure that your kids know what you expect in the different places that you'll be taking them, how they're supposed to behave and what happens if they cooperate and what happens if they don't. So before you take your kids out anywhere, you need to make sure that they understand the behavioral expectations and that you're willing to follow through with whatever the consequences are if they choose not to cooperate with you. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Okay. I got this, Lori. I can do this. Of course you can. You were oh, one of you... my clients. You oh. just things off the list, and I, I love that about you. Well, so because I... I'm like a sponge because I'm, I need help. You know, I just am like, oh, I have an expert, and you are so knowledgeable. So I'm like, anything you tell me, I'm really going to implement. Yeah. Well, so. you're, you're, you're like my ideal client because I don't always um, get the, co- the complete cooperation from every single client. So I love that you're the role model and you have this platform to let people know that these issues that are so big and so extreme and cause such an upset can really be taken care of and taken care of quite quickly. And there can be peace and cooperation and enjoyment of parenting. So you are the model for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate your help so much. I think our listeners are going to get so many valuable lessons and golden nuggets from this episode. So if they want to find out more, where can they find you? They can reach me through a website called Get Manatee, like the mammal, manatee, getmanatee.com. It is a company that provides parent coaching and mental health services for families across the country. And I provide the parenting services for them. So everything that we've done here on this show together is what I provide through the company. So they can reach me there. Okay, perfect. And we are going to put all of your links in the show notes so people can go there if they want to click on the direct link as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lori. I appreciate your time and your expertise. I think that you helped a lot of moms. Okay. Well, that is the goal. And and as always, uh, thank you for having me on, Brie. And it's such a pleasure talking to you. All right. I will talk to you later. Okay. Thanks, Brie. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us in today's episode. If you liked the content and want to hear more, remember to hit that subscribe button and write a review. As a small business owner, I appreciate it more than you know. If you are looking for a program to help with self-confidence, to lose weight, get in shape, and work on your mental, physical, and emotional health, check out my training programs on www.bodybybree.com. My team and I help to hold you accountable through the Body by Brie app, where you log in to see all your workouts, custom meal plan made specifically for you and your needs, and communication through the messenger. You are never alone when you're on the Body by Brie training program. Click the link in the show notes to get more information on how to transform your life from the inside out.